It seems like in today's day and age, everybody and his uncle is talking about the notion of quiet quitting. But I'm here to tell you that it's not so much about quiet quitting, but more about workplace revolution. Now, if you're watching this, you probably already know what the concept of quiet quitting is. And it's basically the concept or the notion of being in your workplace, but not doing anything else besides your job. Really, it's about not actively going above and beyond what you've been hired to do or strictly following your job description. And we all know that this notion has kind of evolved or emerged because of the pandemic and some of the reprioritization that people have started to have in their minds around their workplaces and their personal lives and how they balance those things out. But here's the thing, quiet quitting has always been a thing in terms of people deciding that they will just do their minimum to get paid and then go home. We used to call it coasting, surfing, there are other terms for it. That said though, just because you coast doesn't mean that you're not an effective employee. In fact, you can be really effective at your job. You're just not going above and beyond. But here's the thing is that I don't believe that people are quiet quitting. I think that right now we are in the midst of a massive workplace revolution. Whether you believe in revolutionary theory or not, or follow any of the revolutionary theorists out there or not, there is a pretty famous revolutionary theory by the name of Crane Britton, who basically boiled down revolutions to four stages. So Britton discussed how the first phase of a revolution is the preliminary stage. This is the stage that basically sets the tone that can bring on a revolution. So think back to sort of the 50s, 60s, post-World War II era, men and then eventually men and women started entering the workplace and really committing to their work to the point where their bosses expected that work came before family, where commitments at work were the priority that you had to give all of yourself to your, to your employer and to your job. Add on top of that, toxic leaders, add on top of that staff feeling unappreciated. And you have all of these things that societally we mix into the bag that sort of set, set the stage for what happened when we started moving into the revolutionary stage that we're seeing now in the workplace. In the preliminary stage, leadership is typically really poor, highly toxic, and the people start to demand change. Well, guess what, folks? Prior to COVID, I don't know about you, but I was pretty burnt out and I had um, committed myself to my job wholeheartedly. And I found that if I didn't completely commit and overcommit and participate in those six o'clock in the evening meetings, and if I pushed back on those boundaries, that I was career limited. And I'm not the only one who felt that. And I have to say that that really started to pull a lot of tension and we were seeing burnout rates skyrocket, dissatisfaction skyrocketing, and people ex started exiting the workplace because of this lack of balance. Add on top of that, the inequality or the pressures on women societally still in terms of our roles at home versus our roles at, at work, there was an increasing tension between women wanting to become CEOs and C-suite executives, but having to balance that with family because somehow there's some crazy notion out there that we're supposed to do it all. And so what that basically set the stage for, frankly, is the revolution we're seeing now thanks to COVID. So Britain then moves on to the next stage, which is called the rule of moderates. 
This revolutionary stage um, basically has to do with smaller groups breaking out and sort of cracking the mold. This is where we start to see women really pushing back on boundaries, on really asserting themselves as leaders. We start to see sort of leaders like Sheryl Sandberg writing books like Take a Seat at the Table, like leaning into to leadership. We start seeing men start taking paternity leave and going, you know what? I need out of this rat race so I can be with my family. And we start to see the breaking off where people start to embrace a more balanced approach to their lives. And it's not massively done by everybody, but there are pockets of people. Unfortunately, prior to COVID, a lot of these folks were either told that they were not career-driven, that somehow they weren't leadership material, that maybe they weren't strategic enough, that they didn't give enough of themselves in the workplace so they're not considered for promotion. These were people that were frankly career-limited and frustrated because they wanted to have balance, but they also wanted to succeed in their workplace. Then we move on to the second stage, which is what we have all experienced for the past two and a half to three years, which is the crisis stage. And this is when COVID hit. This is when all workplaces suddenly for public health orders and other reasons had to start going to remote working and virtual working environments. This was thrust upon organizations. Organizations had to pivot how they provided services to the people in their in their client base. In a crisis stage, revolutionary wise, that's when the radicals start to take control. That's when the people who've broken out start to have more leadership, where the followers start to back up the rebellion, if you will. At this point, all out war is broken out. And if we actually consider the current circumstances, we are still in the end stages of that crisis mode. We are still there because we are now starting to see the talent war, which is the equivalent of war, happening right now in every sector across the economy. Every sector is suffering right now. I hear from my government colleagues that they can't hire talent, that they're really struggling to hire great talent. I'm hearing from private institutions that they're struggling to get talent attracted to them. It boils down to people having realigned their thinking around what they want to do at home, what they want to do at work, and what their career means to them. And ultimately, what's really happened with the employee out there is that the employee has decided that a career is simply a means to an end to enjoying the life outside of that career. It's simple as that. It allows you to make the money you need to travel on the trips you want to go to or to spend the time with your kids that you really want to spend time with or to be able to afford the kinds of activities that you want to have. So COVID in, in forcing us all to be at home, it essentially kind of forced us to sort of quiet the noise the noise that all corporations, government agencies, etc., kind of depended on. Because as long as we were in the rat race and as long as we were going to work in our cars and driving home, taking calls at seven o'clock at night, and as long as we had a thousand emails waiting for us every morning, guess what? We weren't thinking for ourselves. We weren't thinking critically about what we wanted as employees and as people living out our lives. Gone are the days where the man of the house goes to work and doesn't show up until dinner time and then has to go do work in the office or in the study and then goes back to work the next day and starts all over. Those days are pretty much done. I think people are really wanting much more flexible and dynamic leadership. They want to feel embraced by their work. They want to feel honored and appreciated by their work. And they want to feel like the work they're doing has value and it adds value to the workplace without killing them in the process. Now, in a real revolution, in the crisis phase, uh, the rebellion tends to try to kill the old school, right? They try to actually kill the old leader and kind of completely break down the system that previously existed. In this circumstance, obviously, we're not going to be advocating for that. But in this war on talent that we're currently in, the old school thinkers, and I'm talking 
people like me with gray hair who've been around for a long time pushing to force people back to towers and government agencies or go back to their office spaces and work environments. And what they're not recognizing or realizing is that they are actually going to lose the war on talent. We're going to see this in the government of Canada, by the way, just for those of you who follow me who are part of that machinery. Let me tell you that currently we have government departments making decisions independently about whether people work remotely or not. So it's basically up to the deputy minister of that department to decide how they want people to come back to the office or not. It's ludicrous to me beyond measure because what's going to happen is you're going to have people jetting from one department to another because one department's offering remote working conditions and more flexible dynamics versus the other one that's forcing you to move to Ottawa to be able to work in a job that they, you know, they're in Vancouver or they're in Moose Jaw and they now have to move to Ottawa because they were hired during COVID crisis to work remotely and now they have to move to Ottawa and they're gonna be like, no, I'm good. I'm gonna stay here or get another job. Thanks very much. So that's what's gonna happen. And the same thing's gonna happen to organizations regardless of where you are in the world, but more importantly here in North America. So here's the reality is that we are now beyond the public health crisis. And I think now we're starting to see that talent management, talent retention, talent war crisis sort of take hold and really cause major issues for organizations looking to continue to grow and to succeed in the business lines that they have in front of them. Eventually though, and I would say probably in the next coming months to year-ish, we're gonna start seeing that third stage, which is the recovery stage. In my mind, the recovery stage is going to be the new normal of a hybrid working environment or what remote working really means. There is a positive spin to this. The positive spin is that if companies and organizations can really land on what that new normal looks like, the thing is, is that you're no longer going to be limited to the region or to even the country that you're hiring talent from. You're going to be able to hire talent from wherever you want, as long as you can somehow figure out how they work within the construct of your company in a hybrid way. So here's the thing is you could get the best talent, the best talent of the planet, not just the best talent in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, or in Miami, Dade, Florida. And that it can be really good in terms of productivity and in terms of innovation and in terms of success factors. So there is a positive spin to this if the companies are willing to adapt. I think that we will get into a new normal where some people work remotely, some people don't. There'll be adjustments in salaries based on where you're working. If you have to commute every day because you're in New York City, then clearly companies will need to pay you more to attract you to live and work in New York City versus if you're working for the same company, but you're living in Jersey and you don't have to go into work every day, then clearly you may not get paid quite as much because that compensation model will have to adapt to remote working versus non-remote working. You know, I know personally, and I know people myself, that would be okay with making a little less because they're not having to spend two hours in a car every day where they don't have to. But then again, there's the flip side. I know people who love the commute because it lets them sort of decompress before they come home to their families and they can be all in to their family when they get home. So there are pros and cons to both types of work. And I think that the biggest lesson, the biggest takeaway on all of this workplace revolution is not pointing fingers on whose fault it is that people don't want to go the extra mile, but rather how do we then move forward on this so that we can ensure that there's a flexible and dynamic leadership model, because this is, comes down to leadership, folks, a flexible and dynamic leadership model that not only enables remote workers to be a vital part of a company and an organization, but actually help to make the organization more successful and achieve 
performance measures beyond their expectations. We are currently in a workplace revolution, and this is not about quiet quitting. People do not want to quit their jobs. In fact, humans are by definition productive and want to contribute to the society that we live in. Assuming that humans are lazy somehow because they don't want to go above and beyond their current work description, I feel is a little bit short-sighted. I'm here to tell you that from my own personal experience, when I was enabled a more flexible working dynamic prior to COVID and I was able to remote work a few days a week, not only did they get a happier employee and a more engaged employee, they actually got a more performant employee. And I didn't mind spending an extra hour or two doing some extra work because I had my itch scratched and therefore I was willing to scratch theirs. And so I think this is about learning a new model of collaboration with our employees and as leaders learning to bring that new level of collaboration to the table so that we can be not only the best leaders that we can be, but we can bring the best talent to the organizations that we work for. I would be curious to hear if you yourself consider yourself a revolutionary who have you quit your job? Have you decided that you're only doing the bare minimum? Are you frustrated with the lack of flexibility in your workplace. And if you're a leader, I would be really curious to hear what your perspectives are about this whole workplace revolution and what maybe your organization is doing to really enable a further flexible, more collaborative environment. Thanks for watching this week's episode of On The Level Leadership. I really do appreciate you taking the time to be here. If you like this episode, give it a thumbs up and subscribe because I am here every single week talking about leadership and or career growth content to help you be the best leader you can be so you can grow in your career.